You know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stork Show. Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited you're joining me today. If you are ready to skyrocket your career and become invaluable wherever you work, this is the place to be. Now, you know, if you listen to me and this podcast, you know that I've written a book called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Uh, It has done uh, quite well so far uh, as I record this. It has over 130 reviews on Amazon, almost all five-star, and I appreciate all the support from everybody out there who has bought and read the book, and I hope that you have as well. If you haven't yet, uh, definitely go out and check it out and let me know what you think. Now, the book, when I wrote it, was designed to help people take ownership of their careers, figure out where they want to go, uh, make a you know set a vision, connect with their purpose, create a plan, set some goals, and go out and take action to get the career that you want or they want and uh, really take ownership of your career and your life. And I I was pretty happy with that. Uh, But what I didn't really give people in the book was how do you be successful within a career? In other words, you've got the job that you really want. How do you become such a valuable employee that you become, you keep getting promoted uh, time after time and rewarded time after time for all the work that you're putting in, uh, which is bringing tons of value to the company you work for? Well, If you are wondering that, then you're in luck because I have a great guest and interview for you today. Today, I'm sharing an interview with my friend Maya Grossman, who is the uh, author of the best-selling book, Invaluable, Master the 10 Skills You Need to Skyrocket Your Career. Uh, Maya has had an amazing career. She's been promoted many, many times uh, within organizations and rewarded for her initiative to go out and get stuff done and bring a ton of value to organizations. And she lays everything out in her book on how to do just that. The book, again, is called Invaluable. And uh, we're going to go through some of those uh, 10 skills that you need to skyrocket your career in our interview today. We don't have time to get to all of them. So if you want the rest, <clears throat> go get Maya's book, Invaluable, Master the 10 Skills You Need to Skyrocket Your Career. And of course, You can pick up my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life on Amazon, and you can also get our bonus resources on our website, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Maya Grossman, author of the book, Invaluable. All right, I am live with my friend Maya Grossman, who is a marketing executive and best-selling author of Invaluable, Master the 10 Skills You Need to Skyrocket Your Career. Maya, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm excited to talk to you as well. And of course, we are recording this live as well. So for anybody tuning in live, if you have any questions, be sure to, be sure to drop those in the chat. If anybody listening later, uh, you may hear us refer to some questions that come in. Um, Maya, you and I were just chatting before we started recording. Uh, you came out with your book a few months ago, um, of course, Invaluable. I'm just coming out with my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. And we were talking about how complementary they are because while my book is a lot more philosophical, here's how to go out and and create the life and the career that you want. Yours is about once you find that career, how do you become the best employee, the most invaluable employee so that you can move up, you can be rewarded, you can be recognized um, and you can be happy as well. Uh, So, you know, I want to get into those similarities, um, but I'm also curious about some of your background and how you got to, you know, a place where you felt like you needed to get this book out there. 
Yeah, of course. Just to kind of um, continue what you were what we were saying off camera, I think I just told Andy um, your book is going to save people probably ten to fifteen years. It took me that long to start thinking about growth mindset, to start understanding that I need to invest in myself. It you know that I can actually control my own destiny. So I think what you've done, taking all of that information, putting it in a very short, digestible book that anyone can read and get inspired by, uh, you're going to save people a ton of time. And when they're done reading your book, they can definitely go and read mine and then put it into action. So yes. I definitely agree. Those are complimentary books. And it works really well that we're also friends. Yes. And um, in terms of how I got to write this book, so I started writing probably when I was 10. This was my way of expressing myself. I had this red notebook where I wrote poems and love letters to uh, you know, young men that I never actually had the courage to approach. Hmm. And throughout my career as a marketer, I also had to work on copywriting and really hone down this skill. But somewhere inside, I always knew I was going to write a book. I just had no idea what I'm going to write it about. I think I had it as a task on my task list for probably three years, and I kept pushing it back until about a year ago. Um, I had this really weird week where three different people came up to me asking me the same career questions, and I was giving them the same answers. And I had this aha moment of, wait a minute, I can help more people if I just write this down. And initially, I thought, you know, it would be a very long blog post that I can share on LinkedIn. And I just started writing and writing. And I ended up with, I think it was almost three chapters. And that's when I realized, OK, this needs to be a book. I think a lot of people, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that happens to a ton of people. You were obviously very successful doing a lot of things right. And people were seeking you out for advice for a reason. Um, but still, I think a lot of people might get those questions and think, oh, this should probably be a book, but that's too much work. I'm not going to go do that. But you actually sat down and you wrote this book. So how did you make the decision and go out and execute to make that happen? Well, a couple of years ago, when I really started getting into personal development, I read this book called um, The One Word. And I went through the exercises and I figured out my one word. And that word was impact. What drives me, what makes me happy is seeing the impact that I can make. If it's for a company that I work for or the people that I mentor and I teach. And, you know, once I actually realized I was already doing it, it just became a driving force in my life. So there was no question. Once I realized I'm going to be able to help a lot of other people, I just had to sit down and write it. I love that. I mean, when you... When you realize that you have experience, knowledge, um, wisdom, and the potential to really make an impact with others, it's almost like you have an obligation to put that out there so that you can help people. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm married to an entrepreneur who wants to change the world. So I guess it kind of rubbed off on me and I want to do it my way. <laughs> I like it. Well, I... Um, started reading your book. And uh, I think I told you this when we chatted last time that I was like, just so impressed with the things that you've achieved in your career. And I love how you break it down into these steps and things that people can do. And I also was saying to you, you know, I already said our books, I think are very complimentary, because yours is more about how do you become that invaluable employee, but also because you have gone, you have been a very successful employee. I was a 
terrible employee. I never knew. I was never in the right job. I didn't know what to do. I never got promoted. Um, and I had to go out and, and forge my own path. I later found out through my own introspection that I'm not really made to be an employee. I need to be out on my own. And that's probably was part of it. Um, but you kind of figured that out early. And one of the themes I noticed was you're always going above and beyond to find out everything that needs to be done. You're thinking more strategically, like how can I add value? So you talk about that, you know, those early times, how did you become such an invaluable employee? Yeah, the funny part is that I started being invaluable long before I had this description or really even understood that I was doing it. And it actually starts a lot earlier than my marketing career. I, um, my first, first real job was at a nursery. I was literally putting together bouquets of flowers and helping this older couple um, you know, sell to the local people, you know, who came over every weekend to buy flowers for their homes. And even then, I, I, it didn't felt like enough to just stick to what I was told to do. If I saw, you know, a water bucket lying around somewhere, I will empty it. If, you know, it was dirty, I will sweep the floor. I would just do anything because I just cared so much about my workplace and I wanted you know, to be proud of what I'm doing. Um, and I think I've been able to do it throughout my career because I have what I call an owner's mindset. And this is actually the first chapter of the book because it's actually the base to everything that you're gonna learn in terms of soft skills. And if you can't really understand that concept of, you know, thinking beyond your job description, thinking beyond what's right for you and optimizing for what's right for the company, for the people around you, um, I think it's going to be very hard to become an invaluable employee. But if you can do that, it means that you're not only focused on your very narrow perspective, you can see the bigger picture. You can think in terms of the company. You can think long term instead of just being focused on what's happening right now. And I think the reason most people struggle with this idea is because it requires them to delay gratification. They need to do something now and they're not gonna see the results immediately. And a lot of people find it you know, very challenging, but the truth is if you actually stick to it, um, the result is going to be compounded. So you're actually gonna see you know, bigger results in your future. It's just gonna take a little bit longer. So in my book, when I talk about owning your career, it's it's, more about taking ownership of your own career and your own life. When you talk about the owner's mindset, it's it's more about um, thinking things about things from the owner's perspective. What is what does the business care about? What do the executives care about? Uh, what would help move this business forward? What would be valuable uh, instead of just thinking about yourself all the time? What's in yep. it for me? Like how can I get the most out of this job, or how can I get out of here by five o'clock, or how can I whatever? Like most people think you're thinking what would be most valuable to this organization and even not even just responding to them, but almost getting one step ahead before they even ask for it and going out and executing on that so that you become a really invaluable employee. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't have described it better. <laughs> I like it. Well, I did read the book. Um, so <laughs> that, that kind of sets the table for everything else. And then where do you go from there? What are some of the other skills that people really need to master to become invaluable? Yeah, so one thing that I think is crucial for pretty much everyone, whether or not they're an employee, is the ability to continue learning. 
And for most of us, when we're done with school or university, uh, there's no reason, there's no motivation to keep learning unless mm -hmm. you actually motivate yourself. But if you're not learning, you're actually slowly dying and you're going to be left behind. I mean, think about the fast pace that we're living in. Uh, when I look at marketing, which is what I do, it changes every other week. And if you don't stay up to date, uh, you're going to be left behind. So it's really, really important to continuously educate yourself. And there's also this concept of information in equals information out. So the more you put in your brain, because it works kind of like um, a database, like a Google search. So the more information you put in, every time you do a search, the more you're going to be able to actually get out of it. So I really, really think it's important, not just within your own industry and profession, but just to enrich yourself with information from, you know, different types of industries or, you know, sometimes it seems almost irrelevant, but I'm a little bit obsessed with the brain and how we think. And it may have nothing to do with marketing directly, but if you understand the brain, you can probably um, use psychology to do much better marketing. So there are different ways you can enrich your life. It doesn't have to be directly within your current profession. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things you can learn to enhance your life. And I'm with you. I have a chapter dedicated to uh, continuous learning in my book as well. Yeah. And uh, we, I think we're, we're so aligned there. And, and a lot of people understand this intuitively, but they don't make the time to do it, right? Because eh, there's so many things to respond to. There's so much work to get done. Um, my worry for a lot of those people is that one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be disrupted. Your job's going to be gone or you're going to be gone because you didn't take the time to keep up with the latest trends, to learn new skills, to become more valuable to your organization or other organizations if you want to get another job later. Yeah, and this is exactly why um, I have a system in the book called the growth machine, which basically tries to automate the process of learning. And it didn't. I didn't create it because I'm super smart. I created it because I'm lazy. And I did exactly what you said. I pushed it back. I didn't really spend time learning. And I had to find a way to kind of force myself into it. And in the system, basically what you're going to do, um, you're going to find ways to get information to come to you. So yes, you'll have to spend a little bit of time doing research, finding the right resources, and then sign up to you know either newsletters or you know, different ways that um, the information is going to come to you. And one of my favorite examples is how to use social media the right way. Mm. So we all know that social media is terrible and it's messing up our lives, but it can be great if you use it the right way. For me, for example, I have a list of influencers that I want to follow. You know, some of them are in marketing, some of them are in career development, and I follow all of them on the same platform. And for me, that's LinkedIn. And once you do that, when you have so many people from the same industry on your LinkedIn profile, what happens is every time I go inside and just start scrolling, 80% of the content I see is actually educational content coming mm -hmm. from those influencers. So even when I'm wasting time, I'm not wasting time. Right. I do the same with Instagram, where I follow mostly you know, influencers in fitness and in food so that I'm constantly motivated to work out. I mean, if you open your Instagram and all you see is really fit people, you <laughs> kind of want to be like them. Yeah. And at least for me, it works great as a motivational force. 
Yeah, I do the same thing. Uh, I fill my feed with inspirational people and I get rid of the negative stuff. Um, I talk about that a lot too. Like I, I love social media. I learn so much from following people. I love keeping up with people. And if you just curate your feed, you're really intentional with it. Like anything else in life, then you can get rid of the negative crap. We just finished, uh, you know, a huge election cycle for the 2020 election. And though there was definitely some anxiety that still seeped in, I don't think I really witnessed, even witnessed any political argument because I've cut all that stuff from my from my feed, right? And then you follow the the great people. And yeah, I follow some fitness people and then it, it motivates me to go do harder stuff and, and work out. <laughs> Right. And I follow you and I see the stuff on careers and, and everything that you're doing. And I'm like, wow, this is really impressive. Um, you know, I'd love to be able to do more of this. And this is how we can leverage those tools to, to learn more uh, from each other and continuously, you know, be continuous learning all the time. And you were talking also about basically prioritizing, making time for it. Right. Make sure that it is yeah. part of your day. My favorite story to tell on that is that. Um, you know, I used to, I love to read, but I used to only read at night and I would in, open a, a book and read one or two pages and fall asleep. And I'd read two books a year. Um, when I switched to reading every morning as part of my morning routine, um, I started getting a lot more intentional with that 15, 20 minutes a day. I now read 30 books a year on average. And it's an nice. easy switch to allow me to read a lot more books and learn a lot more. So there's a tip right there for anybody listening. Um, okay. So we're thinking like an owner, we're getting more into a continuous learning. Um, where do we go from there? Yeah, well, there are obviously 10 skills. We're not going to cover all of them. But I think another one um, that's not always put in the center of attention is how to actually focus on making an impact. And if you're in a professional like marketing, it's actually very easy to use fluff metrics and focus on the wrong things instead of focusing on the results that you're trying to drive. Mm -hmm. So I think just making that distinction between, um, um, sorry, outputs and outcomes, that's the first step. Because then you can make sure that you optimize everything that you do towards actual results and not just something you can put in your report and get away with, which a lot of people tend to do because it's easier. Yeah. So it's not just about checking the box or getting the thing done um, or even producing an outcome or an output that you can't explain. It's about thinking about, you know, going back to the owner's mindset, what would be valuable to the organization? What results or KPIs, uh, key performance indicators are, is the organization thinking about what do they want to improve and how can I go improve those things? And how can I measure this to make sure I'm getting really great results? Yeah. And the funny thing is I actually started thinking this way um, because of an interaction with my manager at Microsoft. So when I was still interviewing, um, you know, I knew that I was going to join a global team and I was kind of worried about the amount of time I'll have to spend, you know, having conversations with people all over the world. And I asked my manager, you know, what do you expect my work hours to be? And I'll never forget. He said, you know, I don't really care. What are the hours that you work? I care that you get the job done. Mm. So if you do your job in two hours a day, that's fine by me. If you want to do it in the office, that's fine. If you don't want to come to the office, that's fine as well. You're responsible for your own time. But what I care about is results. And once I kind of got into this mindset and people would say, oh, so you probably only work two hours a day. No, I actually worked harder. Hmm. but I didn't have to stick to a nine to five. I could start my day at 10 and, you know, give an extra hours. I could 
start my day at noon if I had conversations with people, you know, at the other side of the world. I just had the freedom to manage my own schedule so that I can drive results instead of just, you know, being in the office nine to five and not actually doing meaningful work. Yes, I like that. Um, and so you're you you've taken ownership here, and there's a couple other skills I want to jump into. And by the way, for anybody joining live, if you have any questions, feel free to drop those in the chat um, so we can get to those. Um, but a couple that I I really gravitate towards uh, one is be an opportunity digger, and uh, you know I like to talk about taking ownership and taking initiative and going out and finding the things that you want to do. What does it mean to be an opportunity digger? So within the organization, it means that you're constantly looking for ways to gain more experience. And um, if you have the owner's mindset, then to do the right things for the company. And just to give you an example, I think a lot of people, when they think about career advancement, they kind of wait for their time. They wait for their manager to notice them or the company to decide that you know they're going to give out promotions. Um, but that's actually very passive and hoping is not a great strategy. Mm -hmm. And if you're an opportunity digger, that means that you're constantly going to be in the know. You're going to make sure that you have a network within the organization and you're going to look for problems that you can fix. You're going to look for opportunities to do more based on whatever it is that you want to achieve. So for example, if I want to be a leader, if I want to have a team, but right now I don't have the headcount. An opportunity digger will, you know, go and find someone more junior within that organization and offer to mentor them and do the work and gain that experience and at the same time really help the company because they'll help a more junior employee become successful. Hmm. I like that. So not waiting for someone to tell you what to do, not waiting for your boss to say, hey, you should go work on this, looking for those opportunities to make a difference and those opportunities to, you know, if you don't have enough staff, go find somebody and offer them uh, an incentive to come help you so that you can have the staff you need. And by the way, going and doing that involves some influence. And one of your uh, 10 skills that you have in there also is a master, uh, is become a master influencer. So can you tell me more about that? Yeah, of course. Um, so I really think a lot of what you're able to achieve within a company has to do with people the end of the day. I mean, you have a manager, you have coworkers, um, and you really have to get along with people if you actually want to be successful. And trust me, I learned it the hard way. Um, so to be a master influencer, it means that you know how to craft stories that are going to get people on your side. You're going to have great conversations. You're going to get buy-in and you're going to be able to manage all of the different stakeholders you have in a very productive way. And, you know, you can just talk to people. Um, but I think a lot of the time we forget that when we need someone's help, it's not about us. It's about them. We need to focus on the value that we can give them in order to convince them, you know, to actually do something. I mean, let's be honest. If I'm going to ask for a budget, I'm going to have five other people fighting to get that budget. I need to find a way to get you know, my manager or whoever it is that needs to approve it, really understand what I'm trying to do and support um, what I'm trying to achieve. And I've learned during my career that the easiest way to do that is to first and foremost, build a relationship with them and then approach the entire situation from their perspective. Try and understand what they get out of it 
and then make sure that your ask actually shows them how they're going to benefit from being your partner. Mm, yeah. So build that relationship, uh, give value, show them how it's going to be beneficial for them. Uh, I love that. And it reminds me of, you know, I probably asked you at least 10 times to come on this podcast, but I had to like really build a relationship and influence you. So you finally said yes. And, and here you are. Right? <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> of course. No, I'm, I'm glad we were able to, to schedule this. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because we talk to people all the time, but sometimes we need to take a step back and look at the situation from their perspective. And it makes a huge difference. Yeah. What would be valuable for them? I don't think people don't think about it enough. Like what's in it for them. Um, I get requests all the time from people who want to come on my podcast and I always look at their email and I'm like, well, what's in it for me? Like, why are you <laughs> I don't really taking my, my, my perspective? Okay. Um, Last one I want to ask about is uh, you wrote about extreme accountability. I'm big on accountability. I think it's so important inside and outside organizations. Um, so can you talk about why that's so important? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Um, I think the research shows that about 70% of people are disengaged at work. They literally don't care. They do their nine to five. They uh, go home. And people who are accountable, they don't just show up they actually show up and do the right thing. Um, and I have a great example. I like to show how responsibility and accountability are actually different. So if I have an employee and I tell them, hey, I need you to write a blog post for me by Monday at 5 p.m., a responsible employee will write the blog post by Monday, 5 p.m., and that would be great. An accountable employee will take a look at my request, realize, hey, it's the wrong topic for our audience. They will do the research, they will write the right post, and they'll do it by Monday at 5 p.m. Hmm. So that's the difference, being able not just to show up, but to actually make sure that you're optimizing uh, for the right thing. And I talk about it in the book. There's a difference between accountability, which is what we talked about now, and the concept of extreme accountability that you know, I've been exposed to in the last couple of years where you basically assume everything that happens to you, and I mean everything, is your fault. And it comes from the idea of having an internal locus of control. So believing that you have the ability to change your life. And if you have that ability, then everything that happens to you is your responsibility. Now, it's very hard to actually accept that because sometimes bad things happen or sometimes you really really know it's not your fault but you still take ownership of that and you still say you know it's on me it's my my responsibility and the reason is once you do that the next step is to figure out how to fix it and unless you take that you know responsibility and become accountable you can take the next step and while i find it hard to digest i still try to tell myself about anything that happens, you know, it's, you know, it's my fault. Now, how can I fix it? And it's been super helpful. I love that full ownership mindset. Again, we are one, we are hundred percent aligned. Um, <laughs> I talked about that in my book as well. Uh, and I was introduced to that concept from a leader I worked with uh, named Jessica Parisi many years ago when I worked at a consulting firm, she was telling me about this concept where no matter what happens to you, you take responsibility. You try to 
look at it as in what could I have done to prevent this, prevent this? How can I prevent this in the future or improve this in the future? How can I take ownership of this? And to not blame anybody else. It's like a challenge. And I even put in my book, a no complaining challenge, not to complain, yep. right? And not to blame other people um, because that's when you become a victim. You're giving up control. You're giving up ownership, giving up that accountability. And you're giving that control to somebody else, which is just, I, I, I don't, I don't want to live a life that way. Um, and I know you don't either. The last thing I want to ask you about, just kind of bringing all these together, is you know a lot of people when they're approaching their career and they want to improve up and move up and improve, they're especially if you're an engineer or in soft you know technology or something like that. People think a lot more about technical skills. What are the technical skills I need to move up? And you, your whole focus in this book is more on what are called quote soft skills or yeah. uh, as my friend Josh Burson refers to them as power skills. Um, tell me just a little bit about that. Why do you focus there instead of those technical skills that we need to move up? Yeah, well, if you look at where we are right now, um, I think I mentioned it before, the industry, everything around us, technology is moving so fast that very often by the time you graduate, what you learned is no longer relevant. And it, you can see it in different professions. Some of them are disappearing. We have new professions coming out. So, and especially in software, let's be honest, every other year we have a new programming language that you need to learn. And you, know, you can continue to chase that. And at this point, yeah, we still need a profession. We still not need some sort of vocation. But these skills, these soft skills are kind of like the operating system. It's kind of the basis to everything that you will do in your life. And if you have those skills, it's going to be that much easier for you to pivot, to change, to adapt to whatever it is that's happening in the industry. And to be honest, not really bet an eyelash because you're going to be able to power through it because you have the right mindset to go through this change. So yeah, you still need a profession these days, but I honestly and truly believe soft skills are superpowers. And, you know, when I sat down to write the book, I started to outline everything I think helped me become successful in my career. And I had like probably 20 something bullet points. Mm -hmm. And 95% of them were soft skills. Um, and yeah, this is when I realized, okay, this is what you should actually focus on. Yeah. And it's, it's what's really going to make the difference. And there are studies that back that up as well. Uh, so if you are someone who works in a technical career and that's what you focus all your attention, take heed, maybe think about some of those soft skills, influential EQ, all that stuff. I uh, can definitely help you. Maya, this has been great. Last question for you. I like to ask all my guests this, my book and this podcast is called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. I know you've read some of it or all of the book. When you think about that term or you first heard that, own your career, what does that mean to you? Um, so owning my career to me means that I have a destination, that I'm not just relying on hope or other people to get to where I want to be. And you know, for some people like yourself, you want to be more of an entrepreneur. You want to do your own thing. You said you're unemployable. That's great. Yeah. Um, and there are a ton of books on, you know, how to become an entrepreneur and build your own business. It's not the right uh, path for everyone. I right. wanted to stay employed. I wanted someone else to pay my salary and worry about you know, paying the bills, but it didn't mean that I couldn't have a fulfilling and exciting career. So owning your career, I think, is you know, choosing your path and then sticking to whatever you need to do 
in order to actually accomplish your goals. And, you know, I'm the living proof that it's possible. 10 years ago, I didn't have anything of what I have right now in my career and my personal life. And I wrote it down as my goals. And one by one, I accomplished all of them. And yes, it took seven years. But when you have a destination, um, it's much easier to make decisions and figure out what which path to take to actually get there. I love that. Uh, thank you, Maya. You are living proof that you can do this stuff. You can own your career and get to where you want to go. Um, Maya, for anybody listening who wants to connect with you, follow you, uh, get in touch, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, I am on LinkedIn or you can find me on mayagrossman.com. All right, mayagrossman.com. And of course, don't forget to go to Amazon and buy the book, <laughs> Invaluable Master the 10 Skills You Need to Skyrocket Your Career. Maya, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And uh, thanks for everything you do. Thank you, Andy. All right, take care.